0: Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where we interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by Onescreen.ai. Onescreen.ai eliminates the time-consuming manual tasks associated with buying and selling out-of-home. I'm talking with Mike Hershey, the Executive Vice President of Government Affairs at the Out-of-Home Advertising Association of America. Welcome to the show, Mike.
1: Hi, Dave. Good morning for you. Good afternoon here in uh, Washington, D.C., but appreciate you uh, having me on. Not only good to be with you, but thank you for what you do for our industry.
0: You joined the OAAA
1: last September. Review your background for our listeners. Sure. Happy to do so. One, excited to be at OAAA. What a wonderful industry with a terrific group of companies. In looking at how I came here and a little bit of my background and profile, so I've had a pretty long and, and interesting, exciting career in public policy. Right out of college in Pennsylvania, I came to Washington, D.C. to be in federal government, to work on Capitol Hill and to experience policymaking at that level. And I spent a total of about 16 years on Capitol Hill working in both the U.S. House and U.S. Senate, mainly for Pennsylvania Congressman and a Pennsylvania senator. And then spent about 10 years in the broadcast industry, so went from policymaking, Capitol Hill, to advocacy and lobbying for the National Association of Broadcasters, which represents radio and television companies. And then four years just prior to this position at OAAA, I worked at the Small Business Administration, so four years in the executive branch. A combination of all of those experiences, I think, has me so much more equipped at this point in my career to understand how government works, to navigate policy making, and and the regulatory process, having now kind of completed what I call three sides to federal policy, Capitol Hill, the legislative branch, advocacy or industry, and then the executive branch or regulation and rulemaking.
0: Now, you talked earlier this year about some hot topics impacting the out-of-home advertising business. What are they, and can you give us a bring-down analysis of what's new with them?
1: Yes, happy to do so. So a variety of topics and issues that we're following throughout the year. Some have carried over as policy priorities from the previous year, but all of them, you know, kind of represents industry topics, things of interest, stuff that we continue to not only report on, but to update and educate our members on. In no particular order, political advertising spending. So we're we're in a midterm election year and we can get into more detail about that. We are awaiting a decision from the United States Supreme Court in a billboard case of uh, Austin versus Reagan. We also had at the federal level a trillion dollar infrastructure act, federal investment in highways and transit, a bill that passed recently in Congress that now Department of Transportation is implementing. So we'll see a flow through of dollars from federal to state over the next five years. Of interest also to our industry, some considerations with respect to privacy and, and data collection that's going on at the federal level. Lastly, just two topics, cannabis advertising, continuing to advise our members of state rules and state changes. And then an interesting topic that maybe we'll get more into is state budgets, just the status of state budgets and how that might affect decisions they make on tax considerations that would potentially impact us.
0: Well, let's talk about political ad spending. What is the outlook for
1: ad spending? What does this year shape up like? Yeah, let me give you just cover briefly some statistics and give you a little sense of comparison from from 2020 to 2016. So looking at the most recent election cycle, and granted that was a presidential cycle, but there were about $14.4 billion spent in 2022 compared to $6.5 billion in 2016. So we saw more than doubling of political advertising spending in the most recent presidential election cycle. Wow. So in 2020 we had 14.4 billion a doubling from previous. And then if we break that down by house and senate races, so US House and Senate races similarly saw a doubling of dollars, a total of 8.7 billion spent just on house and senate in 20 versus 4.1 billion in 2016. So an enormous growth of dollars not only going into a presidential cycle but also in house and senate races which which brings us forward into to 2022 but first just to just share some interesting kind of state figures on senate races in 2020 you had a state like North Carolina very competitive senate race that had 293 million dollars spent just within that race wow state of Arizona 256 million and then You know, I keep using uh, a favorite statistic: Montana, 190 million. I'm not sure how you spend 190 million in Montana, (laughs) but uh, not only did the candidates, but also the political organizations manage to do so. Wow! It points to me, Mike.
0: Of everyone says, "Oh, billboards, it's all it's all just advertising." No, it's political speech. It's, it's people trying to make a point, trying to engage in speech to get their point of view across. That is a huge positive in terms of uh,
1: what out-of-home advertising does. Yes, agree completely, Dave. In the political sense, it's a very tried and true way of gaining name ID, furthering your message, maybe even countering an opponent. And I think a digital platform for so many of our members that, that also have digital assets and digital billboards there's now an even greater ease of, uh, of getting up a message in not only a positive sense, but countering. So I have in my short time at OAAA, the, you know, the more members of Congress I come across, the more that I speak to, so many of them are engaged through their campaigns and advertising and doing so in billboards. And so many of them believe in that. And I think that's great for us as these dollars continue to flow into these states and. You know, that sets up, you know, kind of then a discussion of how are we positioned in 2022? And I want to not just mention billboards, but out of home. You know, I think in all of our digital assets and offerings for our member companies that we offer a lot to hopefully gain the share that we have in political advertising that's coming into out of home. And then within that, that's coming to our billboard companies. Mm -hmm. But we have some very, very competitive states in this next cycle in 2022 some very competitive Senate races. And if you step back and think of, so where's all this money coming from? Why is it coming in? And you look at the last couple of years. So we are in a midterm election cycle, meaning we're in between, you know, the most recent presidential race and the next one. The Biden administration has had two years of governing and policies. And so this sets up, you know, what's at stake, control of the House and Senate. If it stays majority Democrat in both, then that helps to ensure that the president will have the ability to continue to push through policies if it changes one or both then that obviously changes a little bit the course of direction leading into the next presidential race and so that's why it's important and the dollars you know every candidate has limits on what an individual can contribute so direct dollars are somewhat limited and finite and don't really make up these millions that that I referenced earlier but it's the third party, organizations the super PACs as they're called advocacy groups who are putting money in on behalf of candidates and helping to kind of push and pull the voting electorate one direction or another i think we're well positioned in that so many campaigns have sophisticated digital programs now and digital media build out where they are looking at out of home you know as a good outlet for that looking at not only billboards but digital billboards And I'll give you just kind of one brief data point in looking at spending so far of January 2022, as compared to last year, you know, out of home is up 131%. So from one year to the next. But I think a more important data point is let's go to the most recent midterm election process that was in 2018. So if we look at the out of home spend from 2018 to 2022, we're up 183% wow and we haven't even started there was only been one state with a primary that was texas yeah early may are the next ones i think it's indiana and ohio but then we're a bit off to the races if you will no pun intended may june july through the summer and then we're right in you know then we're on the cusp of the november election day so we're about to get more heavy into primary season About to see an even increased spend in these numbers I gave from January 18 to January 2022. You know, we're up 183%. We're just getting started on seeing the money coming in.
0: Now, there's a lot going on at the
1: Supreme Court. Give us an update on the the out-of-home cases at the Supreme Court. The obvious one is the case of City of Austin versus Reagan National. And that started back, I believe it was in 2017, with Reagan filing for the ability to upgrade their permitted billboards to digital. They were turned down by Austin that kicked to a federal judicial district who ruled on behalf of the city in denying the permits. Then that went to the Fifth Circuit in New Orleans who ruled for the advertisers and then was an appeal to the Supreme Court and that case was considered and heard by the court in November. So the underlying issue there, the court is deciding the constitutionality of the Austin ordinance and whether or not as they do in Austin, whether or not they can treat an on-premise digital sign differently than an off-premise one. Mm -hmm. So case was heard in November, anxiously awaiting an outcome. To give you a little bit of a status update on kind of where the court is in issuing opinions, their term started in October and will run through June. They continue to hear cases each week and kind of have a full slate. I believe they have so far either heard or have scheduled about 63 cases, 65 cases. Austin case was the 19th, Hmm. heard, number Mm -hmm. 19. So Mm -hmm. court began in October and November. It was the last one in November. And where the court is currently on issuing rulings, of those nine October cases, they've now issued seven rulings to date. Of the 10 November cases, just as of this morning, they issued another. They've issued seven of 10 of those November cases. So we're seeing Mm -hmm. we're getting a little bit closer potentially to the issuance of a ruling. Maybe sometime, we're projecting sometime in April. Initially, we thought sometime in May.
0: OneScreen.ai modernizes out-of-home advertising by creating a central space where media owners can easily sell and marketers can easily buy out-of-home. By eliminating the time-consuming manual tasks associated with the selling and buying of -of out-of-home inventory, OneScreen.ai makes real-world advertising a possibility for every marketer and every media owner, tap into the largest publicly available out-of-home inventory and get a free listing by visiting onescreen.ai backslash get dash listed. Again, that's onescreen.ai backslash get dash listed. Mike, aren't there also some tax cases at the Supreme Court?
1: yes there are dave and a good question so obviously the the central focus you know of us with the court is the austin versus reagan case and as we were just discussing awaiting that ruling but there are two other cases of deep interest to us in the billboard industry that are pending at the court level so the city of baltimore levied a tax back in 2013 just on billboards um, billboard assets a few years later Cincinnati did the same. And so those were challenged, you know, by advertisers in court and went all the way up through their state Supreme Court levels and were ruled and determined differently. So this was a local authority, local municipality levying a tax just on billboards and doing so to help to try to balance or to create some revenue stream to balance a city budget. In Baltimore, their authority and their tax was upheld all the way through to their state Supreme Court level. In Cincinnati, it was struck down. So you had the Cincinnati State Supreme Court ruling that, you know, that was an unfair tax, advertising tax just on one medium. So two cities made the same initiative. Courts ruled differently. State Supreme Courts ruled differently. That got appealed to in the fall, various parts of the fall, to the Supreme Court to hear, and they seem to have taken both cases under consideration and are holding them presently. The, the thinking there is once they issue a ruling or come out with a determination in Austin Reagan that they will also likely provide direction on the Baltimore and Cincinnati CERT petitions. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Hmm. While we're talking about that, to me, it's a huge the OAAA's involvement, not only in the Reagan-Austin case, but in the tax cases, is a great example of the advocacy. I, I always say you have, as an independent operator, you have to be involved at the OAAA because of what they do. I mean, I, I, I will just tell you, you you guys may be shy about saying what you but, – but you were involved in assisting – In getting the industry's point of view across in the Supreme Court, I remember when Scenic America had an unflattering picture of a billboard or one of the planning groups in one of their posts, the old AAA pointed out, hey, that has nothing to do with any actual billboard. That's actually a – it was a doctored picture. It had nothing to do with any actual billboard in the United States. And also I think in terms of making the industry's points in front of state court, lo, local courts, appeals courts, states courts. You, the OAAA has been critical in terms of assisting in the process of getting the industry's point of view across in these tax matters.
1: Now, I, I appreciate you saying that, Dave, and thank you for that. Yes, we have worked very hard as an association in working with our member companies and others to, one, get across a point of view, support the companies in these various levels of litigation with research and materials and other things. They're there have been so many folks who have filed in the Supreme Court case amicus briefs and just going back recently and picking through those. You know. So my current focus and interest is once a case, when, once the determination comes out, yeah, what might that mean in Congress and at the FHWA for those that filed briefs you know, kind of negative to the industry? There are so many people who want to make this case about something else. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Scene America and others there 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 are so many that want to make it about other things that part of our advocacy preparation and I've been doing this the last, you know, couple of months, the last couple of weeks, you know, just yesterday and again again this afternoon with members of Congress to just paint a picture for them of here's a court qu- qu- case that's pending, here's what it's about, here's what it's not about. Mm-hmm. In essence to try to get ahead of others that might come to them and say hey, this court case determined things this way. You might need to go back in and give some direction to states on how they might need to regulate. You know, So we want to keep this very specific as to what the case is, more importantly, what it isn't, and then whenever the ruling comes out, you know, be able to work with members that way. But to your point, thank you. Yes, we work hard at helping to get a point of view across to be able to provide research and information. And to illustrate what I was just talking about, the OAAA filed a amicus brief on digital billboard safety because mm-hmm. others in their filings were trying to say, well, this is really about the safety of digital billboards. No, yes. it's not. Yes, yes. You mentioned state
0: budgets as a hot topic impacting out-of-home advertising. What's new there?
1: Yes, thanks for the question. And I'll weave together a couple of the things we were talking about here. Interesting trend in just looking at where states are positioned this year with their state budgets versus previous years. And why that matters is states have had more revenue income they have had a lot of federal covid program funds that they've received over the last couple of years and states find themselves in a unique position of being more flush with revenue than they have you know in in decades previous i'll use a couple state examples minnesota reported a state surplus budget surplus of 7.7 billion dollars colorado 3.3 billion kentucky $1.7 1.7 billion. If we look back at the two tax cases that we mentioned, Baltimore in 13, Cincinnati in 18, those were born out of a desire by localities to try to look for ways to bring in money. And now with states flush with cash and still supporting municipalities that may be similar, it would seemingly take the pressure, downward pressure off of them to be looking for for ways to generate excess revenue, like in Baltimore, like in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Using a more recent example at the Kentucky State Legislature just a month ago. So Kentucky has a $1.7 billion surplus. And they were thinking, how can we help devise ways and get some of this money back in the hands of taxpayers? They wanted to lower their state income tax, but from 6% to 4 but they didn't want to spend all of their surplus. Mm -hmm. So what at the last minute they proposed was to increase their state sales and use tax and to do so by applying it to new industries, like advertising. This just came up within the last couple of weeks. So here is an interesting trend, all these states, all this flush with cash, how are they going to spend it? Kentucky decided we're going to lower state income tax, but they didn't want to tap into all of their surplus. And so they thought, ah, let's look for other revenue enhancers. And they at the last minute proposed, let's tax advertising. Hmm. The state association, member companies, billboard operators in Kentucky kind of rallied behind that, started to push back. OAAA jumped in, you know, to help and support them. We were able to leverage a coalition, a national advertising coalition that we're a part of and collectively pushed back on that attempt. And we got the advertising provision, you know, knocked out of that bill. That bill was just passed by the Senate, state Senate yesterday. It's going to go to the governor for signature. And fortunately, it does not include an advertising tax.
0: Terrific. So
1: weaving together, you know, looking back, Baltimore, Cincinnati, looking now at state budget surpluses, we would think that we're done with people looking to our industry as a way to to gain revenue by taxing us. But we just did have this issue pop up in Kentucky and we're able to, through advocacy, push back and get that stricken. The infrastructure bill, talk about that. Yeah, so a long sought after um, (laughs) bill in Congress to try to replenish federal funds to states and to make long-term investments in infrastructure. It's been talked about on Capitol Hill on and off for years, but credit to a bipartisan group in the Senate passing it over to the House and then the Biden administration signing it. But late last year, the infrastructure act as it's called has 1.2 trillion dollars in funding priorities that would go from the federal government to the states. And so what that means, you know, for our industry over the next couple of years, not just, you know, billboard but but out of home in general. When we look at how that breaks down, so 110 billion for roads, bridges and highways, 40 billion to modernize public transit systems, 25 billion to upgrade airports and expand. So Everywhere that we are as an industry in advertising stands to gain in terms of a federal investment to the states. And through that, I think over the next five years will be a lot of opportunity for us as advertisers, as more money goes into all of these areas of transportation and infrastructure. And lastly, federal government's making a big investment in electric vehicles and charging stations. Hmm. And they're going to, in guidance that DOT just recently put out, they want to use the interstate highway system and a network of fuel centers that already exist to try to have an electric vehicle charging station every 50 miles on the interstate highway system so as an investment goes into alternative vehicles and ev as they call it an investment in the charging stations they're looking at the backbone of interstate highway and places where we already have a presence as advertisers to try to achieve that. Are they talking
0: about wanting, in essence, if if there are gas stations along a highway, they want to encourage the gas stations to retrofit with electric charging stations? Or are we talking about these certain states, I think New Jersey comes to mind, they have actual state-operated rest stops that have gas stations. Are, are we talking about converting those? Or
1: what? what's the thought? Yeah, a combination of the two. So if the federal government's setting this broad priority that, you know, and they're investing $7.5 billion in this EV charging network, separately is our bills and provisions to incentivize purchasing Mm. an electric vehicle. But in doing so, you know, is there a build out? You can look in certain corridors of the country and see more availability and opportunity than others. So how to achieve a nationwide network, they're looking at using existing structures, fuel centers, or maybe even state-supported rest stops and other things to build that network out. But I think the easiest place to go is existing fuel centers you know, off interstates and state roads that either have charging stations already or to install them. But the ultimate goal is a charging station every 50 miles wow. across the country and using interstate highway system.
0: I see two ways that this helps out of home. One is electric charging station 25 miles, electric charging station 10 on a billboard or poster or digital sign. Secondly, is I, I think of when, you know, the charging stations go and I think of the Volta charging stations have a little digital screen in them. We could potentially see you're charging, you're there for a while, we could potentially see a digital screen couldn't we somehow include it or incorporate it in the charging station that potentially
1: could help be used for advertising yeah agree completely i mean you 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 hit it on the head that that is the opportunity you know not just in directional to those centers but within the fuel centers themselves and the charging stations with a with an advertising panel mike what's new with privacy issues yeah interesting question and some interesting developments we're tracking this two ways Federal level, so Congress, US House considerations, and state level. The state level has had more advancements and more developments. And so Utah just signed a state privacy law. It's the fourth state to do so. California, Virginia, Colorado, now Utah. Iowa has some movement through their state legislature, may not be far behind in being the fifth state. But what the states are doing in the absence of action from Congress is to set rules. For how consumer data and information is treated and what your rights are as an individual. So the California law, you know, maturing within with, with each month and year, Virginia, Colorado, Utah now implementing them as well. What a company is responsible for and how it uses data and how an individual may be able to exert some individual rights over the usage of that. The state laws are popping up in the absence of Congress giving direction. There is no federal overlay. There's no federal privacy law or direction or regulation. And so the states are answering that question. But we're seeing more advancement in Congress. We're seeing more attention to really what I'll call the big tech companies and, and online platforms and how they use data. We're seeing more hearings, more attention. There are a couple antitrust bills directed at big tech that have come out of Senate Judiciary Committee and House Judiciary Committee. And so this issue, just like infrastructure was hard to achieve you know, for years and years and years, so has been direction on privacy from the federal government and from Congress. We're getting closer to seeing individual bills pass out of Congress, but in the absence of it still, states are answering that question and progressively moving forward in answering with their own state law
0: and then one other topic can you give us a a short overview of what's new with cannabis
1: i can and and probably the best way to answer that is to direct listeners to the oaa website perfect and a dynamic interactive map that we keep up to date which will allow you to click to a state and see what they have passed but here again absent federal guidelines of what a state can or can't do anywhere from businesses access well one just the state rules or federal rules on legalization but then if states have legalized either medicinal or recreational, what their rules are, let's just kick to advertising. So they're a patchwork. There's no uniformity to what a state may allow or not allow in terms of advertising. And then if they do allow advertising, some have banned it outright. If they do allow it, what the do's and don'ts are. So the best place to go, easiest way to direct listeners is go to the OAAA website, in the advocacy area is a cannabis map, cannabis regulations, click your state, and it'll give you a guideline. What I find interesting and I keep using is a quote from an assemblyman in California. California initially banned advertising and then uh, yet some people jump in and say, no, we need to enable it and allow it. And so they set rules and then those continued to be challenged you know, all the way up to the governor. But mm-hmm. I think this assemblyman kind of captured it best as the balance you know, that, that he or any state has. And that is how, if you're legalizing a certain activity in a business, how do you encourage that business growth and enable them to have the opportunities that other businesses have, which is advertising. And -hmm. at the same time limit what they can do to direct people to their business. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's the tension that states are dealing with. A lot of folks have defaulted into let's put cannabis in the same category as alcohol or tobacco which means let's limit or ban their advertising. And then here you had this assembly, and I think kind of bottom line it very well. If we're trying mm-hmm. to allow that business to exist and we want to with every business encourage growth, why are we restraining or restricting them in their ability to advertise their own business? Yes. Mike, is it true that you are a football referee <laughs> out of office? I am, yes. I uh, followed in the footsteps of my father, who was a high school and college official. <laughs> Different sport, wrestling, is a big yeah. uh, big sport in my home state of Pennsylvania. But I have been officiating football for 20 years. And I will say that my time working in and around politics has helped me on the football field by having very thick skin. <laughs> I bet. And, uh, and stuff has tendency okay. to just roll off. But yeah. But there's enough opportunity for people yelling at you. Yeah,
0: that's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Mike. Thanks so much, Dave. Enjoyed being with you. This podcast was edited by Lucas Jones and sponsored by Onescreen.ai. Onescreen.ai eliminates the time-consuming manual tasks associated with buying and selling out of home. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider Podcast by visiting BillboardInsider.com or subscribing to the Billboard Insider Podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is Dave Westberg at BillboardInsider.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple of weeks.